Hey there, unfortunately I have some bad news about the daily briefing. Unfortunately, we won't be able to put out episodes for the next few days. Our editor who makes the videos and the podcast has been diagnosed with shingles and therefore will be taking some time off. We could divert resources from myself and our other animator, but we don't want to take anything away from the main channels. The series will be back as soon as our editor's better, and I'm sure that we're all wishing him the best. While we're not making the briefing, we're going to be working on a few new ideas for the series. So if you do have a couple of minutes, maybe the time you'd normally spend watching or listening, then there's a survey link below and we'd love your feedback on the daily briefing. Because we thought you might be hankering for new content, we've decided to share the global summary, our weekly summary of the world's biggest news events in podcast format. We've never released it as a podcast before, and it's normally available as a video on the TLDR Global channel. But considering we didn't have a briefing today, we thought we'd add it on to the end of this episode. Tweet us to let us know if you like it, and if you do, we could always continue to post it here in future weeks. Anyway, let me hand over to myself earlier on today, and this is the Global Summary. Every week, so much happens in your own country that it's often hard to stay on top of the news at home, let alone around the world. So the Global Summary is our weekly rundown of the biggest news events around the world. In the next 8 minutes, I'm going to walk you through some of the week's biggest news, but I'll be moving fast, so if you want to find out more about any of the stories, then there are links to article recommendations in the description. This week's biggest stories include a major dam collapse in northern India, the continuation of tensions in Myanmar following their coup, and South Africa suspending their vaccination program following poor results. Before we start though, make sure you're subscribed and ring the bell to be notified every time we put out one of our global news videos. Thanks for your support. Last week we told you about the coup that just took place in Myanmar, but a lot has happened since then. Following the military taking control of the country, their elected leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, was arrested for the possession of illegally imported communications equipment, or walkie-talkies. They were found in her house when it was searched last week following the coup, and the punishment for illegally importing them could be up to three years in prison. Not everyone sold on the legitimacy of this though, with the UN's Special Rapporteur for Human Rights in Myanmar saying that they'll try just about any charge they can to silence them and put them in prison. The people of Myanmar also don't seem happy with this, with tens of thousands of people taking to the streets to protest both Suu Kyi's dubious arrest and the coup more generally, with protesters in Yangkong chanting, We don't want military dictatorship, we want democracy. Beyond just the protests, Monday saw a mass strike with tens of thousands of workers, including civil servants, doctors, engineers and teachers, walking out in protest. These protests and strikes took place despite the junta blocking internet access for 24 hours in an attempt to stop protesters from organising and communicating. But people seem undeterred, with many saying that they'll protest every day until democracy returns. Whether they will, and if they'll get their wish, is still yet to be seen, but the junta have issued a stark warning, broadcasting on state TV that action will be taken if protesters threaten public safety or the rule of law. Worryingly, similar warnings were issued in 2017, the last time there were any major anti-military protests. That time, two days after the warning, soldiers moved in on protesters, firing live rounds at them and killing dozens of people. We'll have to update you on this again next week so we can tell you what ends up happening. 
Since we spoke last week, there's also been major news in the Navalny case. The Russian anti-corruption advocate and opposition leader who the Kremlin seemingly attempted to kill last year. Upon returning to Russia after hospitalization in Germany, Navalny was arrested by police and towards the end of last week was sentenced to two years, eight months behind bars. The crime he was committed of was breaking the terms of his 2014 suspended sentence, which required him to stay within the country and report his movements. By travelling to Germany, the court determined that Navalny broke those terms. Despite the fact that he was in a coma when he was taken to Berlin, he reported his location as soon as he woke up, and at least according to independent investigators, it was the Russian Federal Security Service who poisoned him. Anyway, if the Kremlin hoped that jailing Navalny would quell tensions, they're likely disappointed, with discontent and protests continuing in the country. In fact, in response to this, Russia expelled three European diplomats from the country, who they allege took part in illegal demonstrations, a move which was condemned by the diplomats' home countries, the UK, France and EU. You're likely familiar with the South African variant of Covid by now. This variant of the virus is currently thought to be both more transmissible and more resistant to antibodies and vaccines. Because of the differences the South African variant presents, studies have been conducted to see if the vaccines we have are actually effective against it. A small trial led by Oxford University found last week that the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine failed to protect against mild and moderate forms of the disease caused by the South African variant. This research is only preliminary, is yet to be peer-reviewed, and we don't yet know if the vaccine's effective against severe cases. Regardless, in response, South Africa announced that they'd be pausing the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which had been scheduled to start this month, at least until they know more about how it works against this variant. If you want to find out more about the South African variant, as well as the Brazilian and UK variants, and how they compare to the base COVID strain, then check out the video we made explaining that. It's the first link in the description. Let's move to northern India, where around 140 people are believed to be dead after a section of the Himalayan glacier broke off, before being carried downriver, destroying one dam and damaging another. This destruction led to an avalanche of water and rocks to sweep into a gorge, trapping and killing those in the area. Two major and conflicting factors have been blamed for this incident. Firstly, it's been reported, including in a 2019 survey, that the Himalayan glaciers are melting at an alarming speed, something that could cause issues for years to come. Secondly though, intensive building around the river is said to have destabilized the ecological balance of the region. Somewhat ironically, the culprit responsible for the destabilization of the region is believed to be the around 550 dams and hydroelectric projects along the river. Advocates have been warning for some time that these dams could be disruptive and that the government should be concentrating on the environmental damage these hydropower dams are doing. So while renewable energy like this can help the core climate change issue, it seems like they might actually be making things worse when placed downriver from a rapidly melting glacier. Let's move around the world to Ecuador, where they're currently in the middle of their presidential election. The electoral system in the country means that a candidate needs to win 50% of the vote in order to be elected, a threshold all of the candidates failed to meet in the recent election. That means that the two frontrunners progress to the next stage, those candidates being Andres Arauz, a left-wing economist, and Yacu Perez, a politician and activist for indigenous rights. 
Arouse was ahead in the first round, but we'll have to see who ends up winning the second round of voting, scheduled for the 11th of April. Haiti is another country with electoral issues, with their president refusing to step down. According to opposition leaders, the president's five-year term came to an end on Sunday, but Moise denies this, arguing that an interim government occupied the first year of his term, and as such, he claims his term actually ends on February 7th, 2022. This constitutional crisis adds to the myriad issues the country already has, with the government accused of supporting gangs in an attempt to maintain their grip on power. This has got so bad that many won't leave their homes for fear of muggings or kidnapping. In fact, Haiti's schools are currently closed, but not because of COVID. Instead, they're closed to keep teachers and students safe from this growing kidnap-for-ransom issue. With a constitutional crisis ahead and the government seemingly siding with the gangs, this kidnap epidemic, which has been getting worse for about a year now, is only set to worsen with a collection of the country's bishops issuing a statement saying that the country is on the verge of explosion. In France, Sunday saw protesters take to the street to demand justice for Julie. This was the girl who was allegedly raped by 20 firefighters when she was between the age of 13 and 15. This case is obviously shocking and is set to reach France's highest court on Wednesday, but protesters are already taking to the streets to demand further action. That's because unlike the rest of the EU, France doesn't have an age of sexual consent enshrined into law. They do have an age of sexual maturity, that's 15, but no age at which a minor can't be deemed to consent. This has been an issue that many have been raising for years now, with calls for an age of consent to be introduced only increasing in the shadow of this case. Last month, the Senate backed a bill that would introduce an age of consent at 13, but many consider this still to be too low. Finally, let's move to Japan and discuss the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, the name they're still going with despite the fact that the Games have been delayed to 2021. The head of the 2020 organising committee and former Japanese Prime Minister has come under some fire in the last week for sexist remarks he's made. Mori remarked at a meeting of the Japanese Olympic Committee that meetings tend to drag on because women talk too much. Despite demands from the public, with 60% backing his removal, Mori has thus far refused to resign in the light of his comments. Unfortunately, this hasn't surprised many people, with Japan consistently ranking poorly when it comes to gender equality, with the country languishing in 121st place in the World Economic Forum's Gender Gap Report. So those were some of the biggest global news stories of the last week. If 8 minutes wasn't enough, then there's links to further reading in the description. And if you think we missed anything, then comment below the stories you'd like to see us cover in the future. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and ring the bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video. Special thanks to our Patreon backers who make videos like this one possible. And if you want to see your name at the end of videos, then you too can back us on Patreon. The link to that's in the description.